So in the words of my friend Aretha Franklin, show some R-E-S-P-I-C-T. Everything bothers him. He's unbothered. He calls it unbothered, but that's what's cute because everything bothers him. He's bothered. I'm a botherina. What's up, guys? Tyra Berry here, the absolute best LGBTQ comedian. In the world, my co-host Snoopy Bijou has opted out of her alligator for tonight because she had one last night. Alligators. Whimsies Alligators. The never-to-be-sponsor of Unbothered by Tyra Vera. But we still give them a shout-out and we still put our Amazon affiliates link to Whimsies Alligators down below in the description box. We're just going to have a smooth listening moment, ladies and gentlemen. Hit my cigarette and decide where I want to go with all this. You know, I I had fun with that clip at the beginning, or, you know, I did it myself, but I listened to the clip just for a refresher on the time Al Sharpton misspelled respect. Me and my East Coast bestie, Renee, always laugh about that. I don't know why that tickles us so, but it really, really does. It's one that we will revisit every once in a while. But, you know, it's... uh. I had to recreate it because I didn't know if I'd get a copyright strike off of that and I didn't want to get any trouble or for this video. Well, because, you know, it comes out on YouTube as a video, even though it's just the audio. I'll go back to doing video again soon, but, you know, I don't like to worry about anything. I don't like to be like, is my hair done, this light, or the sound? Like, the sound is such a big thing for me. If I do it this way, I just record it into a zoom recorder and the sound is great if i do it on my computer it's having or on my phone it's having to upload the sound separately and this is all behind the scenes stuff you guys don't really care about and i don't blame you even a little bit but it just changes the process you know and sometimes i don't feel like i get the mood right if i'm sitting up in a chair instead of laying down because unbothered is kind of my therapy so it makes sense that i would be laying down during it people lay down in therapy don't they or is that just a cliche or something people made up because I've never been to therapy I know huge surprise but I have never been to therapy and I don't really have an interest in going to therapy it seems like everybody that goes to therapy ends up not being funny in stand-up and I'm nothing against my friends that well feel how you want you guys you know your therapist will tell you you need to feel how you feel I can't invalidate that so let me just let that go. You know, that's one of the things that gets me about everybody lately with their mental diagnosis is none of these people are experts or even know what they're doing or even, you know, worked in the field. Let's put it that way. You know, but they're all online doing like psychoanalysis and it makes no sense to me. I'm always like, I don't know where you got the idea that you'd be good at this or that this is what you do, but it's not what you do and you're terrible at it. Like, with my situation it was weird how many people tried to make it seem like I was going crazy and I'm like I called somebody out for stealing a joke that's the most logical thing in the world yeah maybe I shouldn't have yelled at Jimmy Kimmel's sister but it is what it is and sometimes I snap so if everybody doesn't already know that you know it now stay away from me I don't really like my biggest thing with people is respect. I respect people and people respect me. That's the way the world is supposed to work. So anything that deviates from that will no longer get yelled at, but just get cut out because I don't want to be getting into it with people and I don't want to argue with people. And I've had people say stupid things because they've wanted to piss me off over the last week or whatever and be like, so what am I going to end up on your podcast? And it's like nobody that would ever end up on my podcast would ever say that. You know, I don't find arguing with people interesting. I really don't. I find my reactions to it interesting. I find that my platform is working exactly the way it's supposed to work, you know, because I know if I talk about the Las Vegas comedy scene specifically, I'm only going to get so many listens. I know this. I know that that's the way it works. I know that if I were to talk about current events, that I'd get much bigger responses. And that's evidenced by what I did back when I was doing the current events. I've worked YouTube quite a bit in the way that I've seen what works as far as the day-to-day videos and what'll get me, you know, a minimum of 1,500 to 2,000 views. And I really don't want to talk about that stuff all the time. Sometimes I do. And then you'll see like a spike 
but it's also like once you're in the algorithm you've got to feed the algorithm and so if you're not turning out stuff that's consistently going to keep that audience coming back then you've got to accept that your number is going to be somewhat erratic and the algorithm just won't feed you the same way and i'm fine with that because that's really my take on everything I'm doing. Everything I do is outside of what it's supposed to normally be. Even if you think about LGBT comics and me being the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world, which I do stand by because I've been out since the first day I did stand up and I work rooms that other gay comics just can't do. And I not only work them, I make them love me. So that's what sets me apart, and that's why I'm the absolute best in the world, because I can take an audience that's supposed to, on paper, want to kill me and have them practically lifting me on their shoulders on the way out from the gig, and that's what I do. So a lot of these arguments that I have with people aren't really a thing for me in the way that, yeah, I just needed to get rid of that dead weight because it doesn't inspire me. Everybody that messed up was a blessing in disguise you know at the time I was annoyed because I did feel like some of those people were my friends and I thought they should have handled it better as friends but as far as being comics go they all handled it right according to their pay grade and I'm fine with that I'm glad to know that that's the way it turned out and not in a passive-aggressive way just I really am glad about that because it gives me a better picture of who actually has my back and who doesn't and I don't really require much in the way of loyalty from other people because I know that most people aren't good for it anyway. And that's just something I've, I've observed in my short time on this earth. But to expect people around me to be baseline respectful and baseline good people is not something I'm going to apologize for and I'm not going to act like, oh, I'll just be fine from now on without that being part of my relationships. No, any relationship that I'm in that's not like that is getting axed from my life and that's just what will happen because that's what has to happen because I want to work to not only make this scene better, I also want to make myself better. I want to become a better comic. I want to become a better stand-up. I want to be even more open than I already am. I want to be able to tell stories about my life that people would never believe, but they're 100% true. And people have built up that relationship where they're like, you know, it sounds like he's bullshitting, but this is how crazy his life has been. People don't even know the behind the scenes. And I don't mind eventually growing into telling everything just because I feel like that's what stand-up is. Now, will I get to everything by the time I die? Well, that's between God and time, I guess, because I don't decide when I go. That's not a decision that I plan to be an active participant in. So I just have to see what I'm able to get to in the time that I have to get to it. But I feel like I'm not getting any younger. So I really just have to be laser focused. And if that means that... I need certain people out of my lives, uh, out of my life, and they they choose how they leave. Then I'm not going to stand in the way of fate, and I'm certainly not going to pretend that I mourn over not talking to people that turned out not to be what they pretended to be. I'm, you know, I don't feel like I made any mistakes with the people that got cut from my life. I don't feel like any mistakes at all happened in that way. So there's nothing for me to apologize for, and there's nothing from it's just what it is for me and I've lived my life that way pretty much my entire adult life has been like okay those people didn't turn out to be cool then I'll just move on to whatever the next person is or the next thing is and I do have a good way of filtering out all the shit and just keeping what's good I have good friends I have good people that I know so I know this isn't a broken system that I'm working off of just every once in a while I'll be nicer than I should be and that's the real problem and I know a lot of people would think that that's like a laughable idea that I'm too nice. But really, I am too nice in the way that the people that I talked about on my podcast that I've said have let me down and I've talked about how crappy their comedy is. I felt that our entire friendship. It's just I was always too nice to say it because I feel like if you're somebody's friend, you're supposed to be encouraging with them. And if you give them criticism, it's supposed to be constructive criticism. And this is the way that you behave when you're actually friends with someone and you respect someone. Instead of making fun of them, instead of being mean to them, you find polite ways and constructive ways to tell them the things that they need to know so that they can grow from it so that they don't get quote unquote triggered 
or feel like you're attacking them, they understand that you're trying to help them. And if you're friends with me, you know what I'm talking about and you know I do it all the time. I'll give you good advice and just be like, yeah, this is something that maybe you want to think a little bit about or maybe you want to work on a little bit in your stand-up. You know, it's like I don't mind helping people at all. I don't feel like there's any threats to what it is I am or what it is I do. Nobody's going to come along and be me. So I can be very free with information when people want to learn. And I've been doing this long enough and paying close enough attention while I'm doing it that if nothing else, I am good for good for advice. You know, I can give you good advice. I can tell you what you want to pay attention to in your different sets or the different things you do in stand-up. I can tell you some of the pitfalls on the industry side. And, you know, even that kind of stuff, when I think about opportunities in the past or things that I didn't get or I didn't do or times that I was obstinate and kind of quote unquote would be in my own way, none of that was in my way. All of that was just lessons for me to learn and everything's running at the exact pace that it's supposed to run at. And the longer I live, the more I feel like that every day. Like if I just wake up at the time that I'm supposed to wake up, which is when God decides my eyes open. If I just get to the gym when I'm supposed to get to the gym, which is the time that God decides to have me drive to the gym. If I pay attention to these little clues that tell me what it is I'm supposed to be doing throughout the day and just on gut feeling go with okay this is where I need to be now that's where I need to be there and I do it in a way that runs smooth and I do it in a way that's efficient with the errands that I have to run and the little things that I feel like God says okay those are for you to figure out how those work like yeah I handle the big stuff I handle the heavy lifting but when it comes to scheduling little shit like you know walking bijou and all that's that's kind of on you you figure that out around all the things that you need to figure out and that's the way I live my life and I can't say that it's been a bad system I can't say that it's been failing me especially during COVID time during COVID time I feel like I got more in touch with what I'm supposed to be than I ever have in my life so in that way I'm thankful for COVID even though at the beginning I talked a little bit about having a depression and there were times that I had depression in between that were more minor, but definitely there and something that I felt like I mentioned to you guys, I or I felt like I had to mention to you guys just so you guys would know what's going on with me. And so like the place that I've arrived at is a place that's just very matter of fact. It's like, OK, you either inspire me or you don't. And to inspire me, you don't even have to be particularly good at stand up. It just has to be the effort that you put in or the way you go at it or the way that I see you eating shit night after night, show after show, but still trying to figure it out and not trying to figure it out by doing the exact same thing that you did, you know, which they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Like it really is like that with a lot of these people in stand up. And then they once in a while get an audience that's good. And so they think that they're good or their act is good. It's just the other audiences have been weird. And that's not something I've ever worked off of myself. I've always felt like, okay, if that didn't go the way that I want it to, then I need to tweak it and I need to do better for next time and while I'm not going to beat myself up over this one because there's going to be a million more I will learn from this one and I will take from it what I need to take and that's the way I feel when it comes to all of these little situations and what other people would consider bumps in the road to me there are no bumps in the road when it really comes down to it that's why I can go from an argument in front of the club to performing and killing it within 10 minutes and nothing phases that it's because this is what I'm built for. This is what I'm supposed to do. So whatever it is that stands between me and that will quickly be annihilated. And then I move on to what it is I'm actually supposed to do, which is the part that happens on stage, which, yeah, people can talk about every once in a while. I'm a little bit of an asshole or every once in a while I do something that will maybe give them a little bit of a headache. But really, what do I do that's giving you a headache except for tell the truth, except for talk about people that we all know are exactly what I've said because while people can call me different names and people can choose to say different things about me one thing people will tell you is that I'm not lying about any of the things I said or any of the things I said about those particular people when I've said people are bad at stand-up people are bad at stand-up and I should have never been nice to those people and not I should have been mean to them but just I should have pretended they were what they are which is nothing 
And that's something that I'll be doing a lot more of coming up just because if you don't provide me with anything, if you don't provide me with a positive feeling when I see you, if you don't provide me with good advice as a friend, if you're not doing anything for me, then that relationship is only taking from me and I don't want to be in it. And I don't feel like anybody should want to be in any kind of relationship like that with me, you know, on either side. Like if I'm not giving you anything, if you get no value from me, then don't pay attention to me. Don't be where I am because I'm not at all trying to um, make people feel like they need to make any big changes or that like the people that I know that I like, I see them growing in a positive way and I'll tell them that. Like, that's the way I work, even though people would think it's ob opposite because maybe they only heard one episode of this. But I really do make this for my true botherinas because I know and people will send me messages, whether it's through Facebook or Instagram or YouTube comments, you know, like that's a good place for me to get some real positivity where people will be. And I'm not going to pretend like I have a million comments. I know a lot of people that comment and, you know, they, they'll they say positive things like that, you know, they felt the same way about a situation. And it is about protecting your energy. And people make it seem like that's cheesy or that's not something we're supposed to talk about. But your energy is the most important thing. And that's why I always tell you guys to stay unbothered. Because, yeah, there are these little things that will happen in the world or situations where you will have been genuinely slighted or there will have been an injustice thrust upon you in some way but at the end of the day you can't let that drag you down you can't let that turn into you deciding that your mission is now shit because of other people's actions that's not the way it works what you do is you get it out of your system however you get it out of your system whether it's through making your own podcast or I know some of my friends paint some of my friends are different types of artists some of my friends are other stand-ups and you just expel that energy and you put that into that because what you do for yourself at the end of the day is what really matters. All the other stuff is extra. If other people choose to do for you, if you're blessed that way, I know even though a lot of people would assume that there's a lot of strife in my life, it's really not like that in the way that I have a lot of people that are very cool to me and help me out in a lot of ways. So my actual world is way more positive. That's why I was able to go through that whole situation that happened a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, and really be unbothered as all of it was happening around me because I didn't feel any real responsibility for it other than, like I said, yelling at Jimmy Kimmel's sister was a definite mistake in that I just shouldn't have given that energy of myself up. But then at the same time, I remember when I got called to do L.A. Comedy Club, um, and then I'm going to talk about on L.A. Comedy Club in the most honest way because we're just where we're at with all of this stuff, and I don't care who knows what or who hears what. If you guys decide to tell Matt and Joaquin or you know any of the staff at L.A. Comedy Club anything that I say, I don't really care. That doesn't bother me even a little bit. Just give them the exact timestamp so then they so they know when to tune in. But um, I really do like them. I've worked for them for a long time now, you know, uh, once, twice a year sometimes for probably the last 10 years. And I really have become friends with them. I'll go to parties where they're at. You know, we end up at the same place because we have the same friends and we always have good chats. Christmas, I was over there, you know, over at drew's house which i absolutely love drew that's matt's brother and also does security for the club and i think part-time manager of the club i don't know who all goes by what title officially just because i've never bothered getting to know any of that like that because for me these people are just my friends and yeah i work for matt and joaquin but as far as the hierarchy within the club goes i don't know how all that works out so yeah, I do definitely love them, but there was a part of me when they called me on that particular day that felt like I didn't really want to go to L.A. Comedy Club because I just feel like a lot of what they put on is stale. And so, you know, they get some cool headliners in there, 
But as far as like the regulars at the club, you know, and I've mentioned the names before, like Gooch or, you know, the people that they use. Matt Markman is a person that they use on the regular. And if you take all the personal feelings out of it, you know, all of the like, you know, they got on my nerves because of this or that or protecting somebody that didn't necessarily need or deserve to be protected. Like you can take all of that 100 percent out of that. And just those personalities drag me down or those types in the comedy world drag me down because they're really not interested in growing. They're just interested in doing their little five or seven minutes that they know works or 15 or even 20 that they know is going to baseline make the audience chuckle. They're not looking to get bigger. They're not looking to get better. They don't want more laughs. They don't want more laughs per minute. They just want that little five to seven minutes and to just run through it do it in the most non-emotional not monotone because they seem like they try it's almost like watching people turn on a recorder and do like a TikTok live for an audience and for me I just don't like that I always want to feel something different from the audience and I always want to throw in little extra tags or things that just happen in the moment where I can say something funny and everybody remembers that for just a second. You know, there's different clips of that I could play that I should probably start finding at some point just for the fun of it. I mean, like, if I could go crazy, see, this is the way that my brain always makes the most positive out of everything, is if I could go through as many recordings as I had to go through to find exactly what I needed to find from tricks then I can apply that same energy to anything that it is that I want to look for. So like right now, while I'm talking about this, there was a particular situation where I mentioned that somebody in Detroit, there was audience members from Detroit, and believe me, I'm not going to say this exactly the way it went because I can't remember exactly the way it went. It was so in the moment and so much fun. But uh, I was talking to somebody, an audience member, that said they were from Detroit, and I'm on stage doing crowd work and they say they were from Detroit and then somehow I ended up working it to they should go to Flint and drink some of the water and it was real fun really fun and really funny and audience members were like you know you hear an audience member say like you know he just made that up and it was so obvious that like in the moment it was just me being me and that's what I like I like to be engaged and I don't feel like I have to recite my material like it's a uh, you know actual reading or like it's that kind of performance like it's able to live in the way that there's different audi audience members that'll be saying different things there's hecklers and sometimes I don't want to deal with hecklers but I'll usually find some fun way to deal with that in the moment because it makes me feel more alive in what it is I'm doing and it makes everything I'm doing feel more alive and it makes everybody know that I'm actually in the room with you and I actually do give a fuck about what it is I'm doing and when I'm working around people that I feel like don't give a fuck when I'm working with people that I feel like really could take this audience or leave them and does take for granted the fact that these people have paid for babysitters or they're, this is their big night out in Vegas or part of their big night out in Vegas and they want to have a great comedy show and they want somebody that's really going to entertain them and actually be there. And yeah, in regular life, I'm not the most customer service oriented person. That's why I've never been customer service. Well, I think when I was a kid, I was customer service a little bit. You know, I was working for a clothing store and we had to be somewhat customer service but even then I was still pretty bitchy me so I was just like okay well whatever um you know and then I worked fast food when I was a kid too that's another thing I did and so there I guess I had to be customer service and maybe I spent all that energy back then doing that and that's why I'm not built for it now but I will tell you that when it comes to doing stand-up I do care about the experience that people have when they're watching me and I do want people to leave the show feeling like they got something special so like I said when I say that I was being nice to people that I shouldn't have necessarily been nice to that's what I'm referring to just in the way that I should have just pretended they didn't exist because yeah, they can try to talk to me, but really, how much can you talk to me if you know that I'm not receptive at all to anything you're saying? But in, in society, we're taught that the polite thing to do is to humor people, to be like, oh, yeah, that's cool. That's interesting. Oh, wow. Where did you hear that? You know, but in real life, 
we're usually like, I don't care about anything you're saying right now. I don't even know why you're still babbling at me. And then imagine that it's about something that you're actually good at, like me with stand up. And that's one thing that you'll notice. Like you can talk all the shit you want about me and I don't care even a little bit. But you'll notice that if people talk shit about me on social media, they'll always throw in something like a he's funny or yeah, he's good at what he does. And then they'll give some kind of reason to invalidate it. You know, it'll be like, yeah, he's funny, but he's tap dancing for straight people. Okay, well, if you've really seen me, you know, that's not true even a little bit. So I guess it's your way of trying to discredit me, but it's not true. Oh, yeah, he may not be funny, but he hasn't been booked at this place or this place. Yeah, that happens sometimes, and I don't really care about that either because I also do get booked at a lot of places. And I understand that a lot of what stand-up has turned into is the most safe corporate version of whatever it is you are. And I don't necessarily want to be that or be boiled down to what it is I am. Yeah, I am gay. And yeah, I do joke that I'm the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world. And yeah, I really am the absolute best LGBTQ comedian in the world. But if you've ever seen my set, you know that my personality is what really sells everything. Just me being me, everything that I am. So if you boil me down to just gay or just Mexican or even worse, a gay Mexican and expect me to live up to everything that I'm supposed to live up as far as what society thinks I'm supposed to be when I'm those two things combined then you're not expecting me to be a real person. You're expecting me to be a caricature. And then you get mad at me because I don't want to live up to that because I don't choose to take that very easy route. You know how easy it would be for me to play that, but I'd also probably have a gun in my mouth and that would be no lie at all. The people that live that are not happy people. When you see the the cliche of the quote unquote happy clown, those are the happy clowns. They're dying on the inside because really they hate everything that they're doing on the outside. But they know that it sells, so they've got to do it over and over and over. And the way I feel at this point is if my road takes longer or has taken longer because I've been more true to what it is I am than what it is I'm quote unquote supposed to be, then I'm happy with that taking the time that it's supposed to take. Also mentally, I just had to grow to the point. I mean, honestly, if you want to know why I consider the people that came after me the way that they did evil, uh, if you want to know why I consider them evil, because they could argue that I'm bad. You know, I'm a bad person. Okay, I'll be a bad person. So I guess we're in the we're in the battle of bad versus evil because what I consider to be evil is when people will try to make you feel like you're actually crazy because you call out a truth that everybody around you sees. When people try to make you feel like your mind is betraying you because you're saying stuff that they're not comfortable with, that's what I consider evil. Uh, when I mentioned the DJ Sandu situation, which I fully do forgive DJ Sandu because I realize that he's just not the person that he wants to be on social media. And I say this with the most love that it can possibly be said with, because I think these people, if they really want to get better at being closer to the people that they claim to be on the internet, they should remember that sometimes what they're doing could have real life consequences. Now, let's take the DJ Sandu situation. And believe me, like I said, no hate to DJ Sandu. This is just the way that this could have played out. Say he was right. Say he say I was having some sort of psychotic episode. Say I was in a bad way. And then here he is trying to push me further in direct message where nobody can see it. You know, this is just happening between me and him. And here he is trying to what? Because you weren't trying to help at that point. Were you trying to push somebody over the edge that you thought was already on it? Is that what you were trying to do? Because if that's what you were trying to do, what was your end game? That maybe that person would kill themselves and then you could go back to the rest of your crew and tell everybody that you had made that person kill themselves? Or would you have mourned it and acted like I had no idea he was that upset? Now say all of this had happened in DM and nobody ever knew about it. Say I just had been as you thought I was, on the edge, and now you just pushed me over the edge. Would you claim your kill at that point, or would you pretend that you too 
felt bad about what had happened. But unfortunately for you, if that was your end goal, it didn't work out because I wasn't feeling any kind of crazy at all. For me, I was at that point just in promotion mode and I was in work mode as far as, okay, I've got this content that I've got to talk about and I know it's going to have this limited audience, but I can talk about things that are actually affecting my life and ways that people are painting me right now that are not at all accurate of what's going on. I've heard so many stories where people are like, is it true you said this? And I'm like, that is not anything like what I've said. And that's even after having put the podcast podcast out. Now, since I put so many podcasts out, letting everybody know where I was at, the people that really care about me were able to get everything they needed from it, which is what I needed to really happen. Most important than anything else, I needed the people that really care about me to know, you think my East Coast bestie, if I had been going through any kind of weird situation wouldn't have jumped on the phone with me and made sure that I was okay and done a real wellness check. One of the ones where you know that the person really is checking in on you. This wasn't a conversation that ever had to happen because I wasn't at all in a weird space about it. For me, it's all very matter of fact. My joke got stolen or bits of my joke got stolen and then remixed. I went to the proper channels to resolve it discreetly. That didn't end up happening. So at that point, it's like, well, if you don't want to listen, maybe the internet will. And I also know that a lot of the people that are less, um, have less of a profile than I do, that have had things stolen, now have a little bit more of a, you know, like, okay, at least somebody has called this out, because I told you guys, and I wouldn't lie, I don't care, like, if there's nobody on my side, there's nobody on my side, you know, I accept that in life, that there are going to be certain times that I am on my own, and I'm completely okay with that, but when I tell you there were three other comics that hit me up to tell me either that he had stolen from them or like the situation I mentioned back in, I think it was Edmonton, either way it was Canada, where, you know, he had been turning over other people's jokes within that week and within that weekend. So here he was working with people and taking their material at the same time. So if I at least timestamp it for people and then it happens again and maybe somebody that's less well-known is able to say like, oh, well, Ty Rivera called this out and this is the same as that. Maybe the guy actually thinks about what he's doing and realizes that he's messing up, which is unlikely because there's too many people around him enabling him. And that's where if people took a little bit more of a stance, it would be helpful and it would help the scene out a whole lot because it's like there's nobody that's come out and denied what it is I'm saying as far as people that were in the room or people that are aware of the situation and know his jokes and my jokes and have seen us at the same time. Like there's nobody that's come out to say like, oh, Ty's just being crazy right now. So do you know why that is? Because people know that what I'm saying is true. It's just not a popular thing to say right now. And especially if you think that person might be able to take you on the road one day. And that's not something I'm ever going to promise anybody as far as I go, as far as if he wants to play that way and be like, I'm the guy that will provide you with an opportunity, let him be that guy all day long. Because I like to make sure that the people I take on the road are good and ready to be on the road even if they're newer even if they're just getting their legs underneath them there's a way that I can tell and I really haven't been wrong that's why so many bookers trust my word when I say I'm just gonna take this person along and they're they'll be like yeah can he send a clip and I'll be like yeah I'll have him send you a clip and if you know they ever which very rarely happens but sometimes they'll be like I really couldn't see in the clip what you were talking about and I'll be like just trust me they're going to be great. You know, I don't bring shit along. And that once I say, you know, I don't bring shit along. Usually bookers will be like, yeah, you're right. Go ahead and bring them out. And I always bring them out and they always do well. There's only one person that didn't give me what I wanted because, you know, there's, I just want you to have one set where you just completely on all cylinders kill it just kill it. And there's only one person that didn't do that. And I made a podcast about 
that back when it happened, it was an L.A. comic and it was several years back. And, you know, they just didn't ever really produce. And it was, in my opinion, their fault because they were more concerned with drinking. And, you know, they do coke and I'm not trying to snitch. It's not like that kind of situation or um, but those things do change what it is your goal is when you're like, OK, I just got to get through this show so that I can party and get back to drinking and having that kind of time and for me that's such a waste of an opportunity yeah you can drink and do coke or whatever you want after the show is over but when that becomes more the focus than the actual stand-up then for me I'll get like yeah I don't really want you around because I want somebody that wants to absolutely destroy it on stage and then you've earned your party in my opinion whatever you do after that You've already fully earned, so go enjoy yourself. Have a, have a great time. You know, you deserve to celebrate. But there's times where people forget that. And it's rare that I take somebody on the road that is going to be prone to that kind of mistake, but that time I did. And so, you know, for me, it's like I won't blow smoke up your ass and tell you that you're going to do something that you're not going to do or that I'm going to take you, you know, I can show you the world. Oh, I'm such a terrible singer. But you know what I'm getting at. Aladdin, Jasmine, magic carpet. I'm not going to take you on a magic carpet ride and tell you, yeah, if you fucking do this and do this and you're cool with me, I'm going to take you on the road. No, if you get really good and I happen to see you absolutely destroy it somewhere and I need an opener or a feature at that time and you happen to be available on the dates that I need you, then I'm going to do that. But I'm not going to lie to you and be like, oh yeah, if you're just cool one day, I'll do something for you. No, I don't do shit like that. That's not what I am. I'm not the if you're cool guy. I'm the if you're funny guy. And so I won't give you anything, but I will definitely provide you with a realistic idea of what it is you're looking to get into. And that's one thing that Ralph Tutela got to benefit from over the weekend. Ralph Tutela, who I've mentioned before, and I love the way Ralph is doing things because Ralph is just creating his own path. And so in doing that, he's willing to invest his own money and show up places and just you know, check things out and do open mics in different scenes or even paid shows in different scenes. One show in Atlanta, he did 30 minutes not too long ago. And I'm not sure why he had to be in Atlanta exactly. I don't know if it was business or if he just, you know, had a game that he was going to watch in Atlanta. But somehow he ended up in Atlanta and he was like, well, if I'm going to be out here, I might as well make the most of it. And he did several spots. So then over the weekend, this past weekend, I had mentioned that I was going to Pleasanton. It was a last-minute thing. Steve Trevino hit me up out of nowhere, which if you don't know the way my life works, is just every once in a while somebody will hit me up out of nowhere and be like, do you want to do this gig? And so I'm usually down to do the gig and introduce myself to the club, and I hadn't done a full weekend at Tommy T's, so I immediately said yes. I booked my travel. I ended up out there um, the night before, Thursday night, because I had to fly out on Friday. Thursday night, I was hanging out with Ralph Tutela and Anthony Victorson. Anthony Victorson from the episode that I did two weeks ago, or a week and a half ago where we talked about his situation and kind of the drama that was following him or, you know, had been a thing here in Las Vegas for him. And But, you know, uh, I was hanging out with him and Ralph and we went to an open mic and I told Ralph that I was going to be in Pleasanton, which is the Bay Area, you know, not too far from San Francisco, 45 minutes, something like that. And so I told Ralph that I was going to be there and Ralph was like, well, I'm looking to test out my van this week and make sure that everything's in proper running order because he had a bunch of work done on his van because he wants to do his own van tour. And so with this being the way he was thinking, he was like, I'm thinking about just driving out there. And I was like, well, if you drive out there, I'll introduce you to Steve because Steve was the headliner. I was there to feature and I didn't make him any promises. I didn't even mention the word guest set, like, you know, or the words guest set. I wasn't like, there's a possibility that you're going to be able to do some guest sets. I said nothing like that because I don't know how Steve's running his shows right now. And I don't know what Steve's working on. And I'm not going to make any promises that I can't keep. I'm not going to something that it seems like it's not in the realm of possibility. I'm not going to give you the idea that it might be. Uh, but, you know, I was like, yeah, I can introduce you to Steve. And I knew that I could do that. And then, you know, it's up to him to either build that relationship or figure out what it is he's trying to figure out. And so he ended up deciding to do that. And so he drove out there and he did a set. 
And well, Friday night, he just hung out. You know, we all just hung out after the show because we did two shows on Friday. And then by the end of the night, Steve told him he was like, yeah, if you're around tomorrow, you can get a guest set. I hadn't heard that. You know, I didn't I wasn't around for it. I said it like it's a charge. You know what I mean? Like Ralph is lying. I hadn't heard that. That's not how I meant it. It's just the way it popped into my brain. But I had not heard that exchange happen. So I didn't know that. So the next day we went to see Godzilla versus King Kong, which I fell asleep during. And I don't regret even a little bit. I fell asleep with licorice in my hand. I woke up to Steve Trevino saying, no, Kong pussy. Because, you know, King Kong, I guess, got put on an island where there was no female King Kong or whatever, Queen Kong. I don't know Queen Kong's pronouns or how she likes to be addressed. Her Majesty. Anyway, so um, I didn't know that that had happened. So after we got out of the movie, Ralph hit me up and he was like, oh, I'll see you at the club at whatever time. And then I was like, oh, okay, are you doing a guest set? And then he said, yeah, he said, Steve, I said I could do a guest set. So I asked Steve about it. I was like, oh, you mentioned you told Ralph he could do a guest set. Um, he's going to be at the club tonight just to give Steve a refresher because I knew everybody had been drinking the night before. And like I said, I had missed that. So I was just making sure everybody had a heads up. And Steve was like, yeah, I'm going to have him um, do the late show. So Ralph went up on the Saturday late show. Did a great fucking job. Good enough that Steve asked him to do the Sunday for, and I was that time I was there for that part and I witnessed it, you know. And Steve asked him to show up on the Sunday and do a set on the Sunday show. And so, you know, Ralph got to perform in front of really great audiences. He had great sets. Maybe he got audio for himself to listen to later. But, you know, he also, when things like that happen for you, when you're able to do things like that, it also reinvigorates you and your drive as far as comedy goes. So, yeah, I'm not going to promise you a bunch of lies, but I will help you see your stuff in a real way or see what it is you're trying to do in a real way. You know, then that's something that I never mind um you know, helping comics that really want to do it kind of figure out, you know, because I know how nothing and helpless <laughs> this this business can be. And I know that, you know, a lot of people don't look out for you and a lot of people don't care about you and people will pretend to. And I don't say any of this in like a negative way, you know, because nobody owes you that. And that's one place that I've done myself a huge favor in just accepting from the beginning is that, yeah, if people are nice to me, that's great, but they don't owe it to me and they don't have to do it for me. So I should be grateful every time somebody does something for me. And I truly am. That's why with me this weekend, I had one show that for me was not the standard I like to have it at. And believe me, I had five great shows. Anybody will tell you that. But I had one particular show where I felt like I wasn't as on as I should have been. And that's how you know you're serious about what it is you're doing. When you're actually willing to look at what other people would consider to be a great set. And you're like, no, and I'm not beating myself up. But these are the places where I technically wasn't doing what I needed to do or it wasn't what I needed it to be. I mentioned that when I was talking about tonight, I was talking with uh, Ryan Barasa and Aubrey. His girlfriend, Aubrey, Aubrey, is also a comic. And I was talking to them a little bit about the set that I had had at Artifice tonight because I did the show Artifice for Sean Fitzsimmons. And uh, I was headlining it. And I had just come in, and I was running a little bit later than I wanted to be. And so I came in, fucking killed it. But there were different points because there was this real party crowd and they said they were just out celebrating life which is always trouble and i told them that 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 at the time but you know it was they were really really fun and they were a good amount of the life in the room you know like they really just had a positive came out to have a good time energy and sometimes when you get that in las vegas Every once in a while, they're going to shout something out or they're going to because they were being really supportive. And when I was on stage, it, they were telling me things like you're beautiful and I love you, which sounds way more supportive than it should be. But they were really fun about it, you know, um, but they were really great. And then there was these two women in the front that I well, I know Valerie. Valerie takes all the great pictures of us on Facebook, doesn't get enough credit for being like the scene photographer that she really is. And there's one picture that I don't necessarily like that she took tonight, but 
that's my own thing and I should have asked her to retake it. And Valerie's always good for retaking pictures. But anyway, this is beside the point. What I'm getting at is there were different distractions happening in the room. So while I was killing it, there were certain punchlines that got lost because somebody gave a polite heckle or just said something in the moment and or timing not working out exactly the way because there was one woman in the front that Jackie is her name and she was like talking to me a little bit during my set but I didn't mind it at all because again it's fun and it's natural and it's in the moment so I'm not minding it even a little bit but at the same time it does change the timing of certain jokes and where you get the laugh and how you get the laugh but again to me that's a part of the art that's me doing the up close magic you know everybody gets to see oh okay he really is making this out of nothing at different points so uh, for like to think that you're going to recite isn't at all where I want to be or, you know, of being around people that think they're going to do that. That's why when it's just me and the comedians at an open mic at the end of the night, I will shout out what would technically be considered heckles. And it's just a way of saying it's uh, just us in the room. So why don't you work on being a little bit fun in the moment? Why don't you work on you know, the the advantage that you have of it just being us comedians and we all know you and we all do know your personality. So if you get thrown this curveball in this very safe situation and you can handle it here, then imagine being able to apply that to what it is you're doing in your actual paid shows or on the road or even just a showcase where somebody starts talking or heckles you you've already had me do it and so you're a little bit and I don't I'm not disrespectful about it if I see that somebody's actually working on material I won't just start heckling them but if I see that it's like yeah they could use a little bit of a boost during this set just because it is kind of a dry room and everybody knows everybody and so if I can just help them a little bit by snapping them out of it and getting them to see that this is fun what we do like sometimes people put too much emphasis and it really is a balance. Like when I talk about the people that aren't good at it or the people that I don't necessarily respect what it is they're doing, if they would just apply themselves, I think they could be decent at it. But it's the not wanting to apply yourself and not wanting to take chances and to just be safe all the time. And for me, that's what I'll get tired of. And that's what I'll end up considering stale is because I... Like I said, always want to be growing and always want to be figuring more out. There was a point tonight in the bar show where um, two of the comics that I was talking to were talking about how there was no way for this guy to deal with this particular situation that was happening. And I was like, I've killed it in rooms like this. Don't ever lie to yourselves and make yourselves think that this is impossible or that there is an impossible situation. Because for every impossible situation that you can imagine, a comic has absolutely slayed that. And in some cases, that comic has been me. So that's why sometimes I'm a little bit full of myself or I'm a little bit what some people would consider overly confident. But is there really such a thing as overly confident? Can you not just decide I'm going to believe in myself and no matter what the world throws at me, I'm going to go ahead and handle it? Because to me, that sounds like the healthiest thing in the world. Now, I'm not saying everybody else is shit. So that would be a negative statement if you're like everybody else is shit and I'm the best thing in the world. But no, to say I'm one of the best things in the world and you can be too if you just apply yourself and go towards what it is you're naturally inclined to, then how can that not work out? For me, I love stand-up since I was a kid, you know, a young kid, younger than you should be liking stand-up like seven, eight, nine years old, just obsessed with Louis Anderson and Rodney Dangerfield and Roseanne Barr and Whoopi Goldberg and, you know, countless other comedians, comedians that probably aren't even names now. You know, like when I met Don Myrera, it was the most disappointing experiences of my life because he wasn't particularly nice to me. He wasn't particularly respectful with me. And I mean, just when I say particularly mean uh, particularly, I mean like baseline nice to me and baseline respectful. But he was actually shitty with me. And it was very unfortunate in the way that I felt in the way that I felt towards him because I had been a Don Myrera fan since I was a kid. So it's like you're shitting on somebody that really is a true, like, I remember you. You know, you're part of what inspired me to do what it is I do. 
you know, and now you're not even just a cool person as far as baseline polite, you know, and it, and it happened in a recording, you know, in a taping. So even that would made it even worse because, you know, I was taking it seriously because it was a taping and it was a particular show and I was excited to meet Dom. I, re I remember how excited I was getting ready you know, that night. And it wasn't like, you know, oh, I'm going to be sexy for Dom. But it was like a, you know, let me look like a professional and gussy this up and figure out what I'm going to do. It was a new material show. And yeah, I was so excited to meet him. And then it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. But anyway, um, you know, when when you think about stand up in the way that I think about stand up and you're always trying to you know innovate which is what stand up is you know it like even taking the old like quote unquote hack like when I talk about the trick situation you know and the bits of the jokes that he took and stuff like that it was like no like you guys don't get it wasn't about the Michael Jackson joke it's about the way that I crafted those particular words it's about me actually going to different shows and trying different variations because I wanted to figure out the exact right way to say that to an audience and have it consistently work you know, like that's the part that's frustrating. It's not the words themselves because nobody owns words, you know, but it's the succession that you put the words in. It's the the way that you use your tone and your inflection and just the different things you figure out that when people take those things from you, you do get like, OK, well, that's not all right. I mean, like I actually worked on that. So while you may be like, thanks, sucker, and just take something away from me or think you're taking something away from me. Really, you could be trying to take something that for me, I know how much work I put into it. And I'm like, no, I'm not willing to let that go. I'm not going to just let you have that, you know. And so what I was saying about, you know, everybody and where I'm at, like, yeah, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not holding hard feelings. I, there's certain people that I'll never talk to again, like Jimmy Kimmel's sister. I never want to have a relationship with her ever in my life. I just don't. There's no fixing that. And even if she were to, well, if she were to fully admit to lying even about the things that I said and own up to everything that I've addressed with her, own up to all of it 100% then I might be like okay but she would also have to do it publicly and so if outside of that I have no interest in talking to her on any level at all I don't care about you know any kind of social standing people think that she may have my life doesn't work that way I don't live by those rules you have who you like I have who I like I don't have to I respect people based on raw talent like, and that's what I plan to use to get to exactly where it is I'm going. I mean, like, I'm just going to be 100% muscle when it comes to comedy. Just fucking do the shit that I have to do. Absolutely destroy these fucking rooms. Prove that I'm worth any quote-unquote headache that I might provide, which, like I said, really is nothing when it comes to the professional way. I'm not a headache at all. My request in the green room is bottled water. That's the only thing I ever ask for. And a lot of places I perform don't even have a green room. So if they ask me if I want anything to drink, can I just have a bottle of water? And I'm fine with that. I'm not a person who's running up a bar tab. I'm not eating a bunch of food. I'm not expecting anything outside of just doing stand-up. And if you don't have water, then that's not a problem either. I don't need to have a water. I get plenty hydrated in my personal life. So... Uh, you know, I have no requests, no demands. I'm not a diva on any level. And so when I can just show you what it is I do and the way I fucking bang this out, then you respond to that. And I don't want to hear anything about my social media. Like every once in a while, somebody will try to talk to me about my social media in some sort of negative way. Or there's some people that think that I'm going to want to argue with them about something I said on social media. And I'm like, no, that's not happening at all. I'm here to do this set that I'm supposed to do. I'm going to collect my money and I'm going to get the fuck out of here. And if I'm at an open mic, I'm here to work on this new material. I'm going to see if I can find one nugget in what it is I'm trying to do in this dead ass fucking open mic that I really shouldn't even be at. And anybody would tell you that 
and most of the places I go, I really shouldn't be at. I am above a lot of what it is I choose to do. But I also feel like that's what makes me so good is I'm willing to work at all times. I'm willing to always be tweaking stuff and that's where I go to work on it is an open mic or even if it's just the other comedians I'm fine to work on it in front of them in a lot of cases and I need to get back to that discipline all the time where it really is just me at places where I can really just get better at doing what it is I do and sort of look at it the same way that I look at the gym you know like you show your muscles at the club but you work out and build them at the gym And that's the way I want to do with comedy. Yeah, I go to clubs, I perform in actual shows, and that's where I really flex and show them everything I've been doing. But all the real work happens at open mics and smaller shows, not unlike what I did tonight at The Artifice, which The Artifice is not an open mic. It is an actual showcase, and they really are bringing in audiences. But for me, those audiences are more practice for me in what it is I actually want to do and where I actually want to be. And when I say I want a residency in Vegas, I want a fun residency in Vegas. I want a residency where people make it their plan. We've got to see Ty. We have to see Ty this time. What's he going to be working on? What's he going to say to the audience? That's what I want. I don't want just some bum shit residency where I go through my material and I'm acting like I'm doing you a favor for showing up. No, you did me the favor of showing up and now I'm going to return the favor by giving you the entertainment that you set aside time for and I want to do that at Chanclas so if you guys end up seeing I'm going to be on Chanclas I'm going to be there pretty much every Wednesday it's going to be rare that I'm not at Chanclas and I'm going to be working on stuff and I'm going to be figuring stuff out and I'm going to be playing with the audience and I'm going to be everything it is that you guys want to see me be at any one of my performances why because i've already set myself up as being a bunch of fucking bullshit so when people say ty rivera is bullshit and then other people are able to say really because i saw him kill it the other night that's what i want to do that's what i want to be that's what i'm gonna do and that's what i'm gonna be so all the rest of the stuff i don't care about even a little bit i've told people just stay out of my way and we won't have problems and that's a hundred percent what i mean and even if you do get in my way we won't have problems because i'm either going to ignore you or i'm just going to prove why it is you shouldn't be in the same space as me and then i'm going to demand that you not be allowed into the same space as me because that's the world i'm working towards i'm working towards a world where i completely control not the world but the world around me so i decide what's the good energy what's the bad energy what i want to be surrounded by what i don't want to be surrounded by and i'm going to be very clear in the way that i do that So my main suggestion to most people would just be to treat me with the same respect that you would want somebody to treat you with ideally. In your ideal world, when somebody's being as cool, as positive, as much of what you need them to be in order to deserve the space that you're giving them in your world, in your life, I want you to be that with me. And then you'll see that I'll pick up on your cue and I will reflect that back to you because any one of my friends will tell you that I really do try to accentuate the positive in what they're doing and tell them to keep doing what they're doing. If you listen to even the way I talk about people that I genuinely respect on this podcast, like I mentioned John Carden or I mentioned Stephen Briggs last week, I mentioned if you notice when I mention these people, any names I'll always be like if I mention somebody that I like I'll always be like yeah such a good comic so funny so creative working on you know Instagram I'll try to shout out what their main platform is like that to me is being actual friends because all the rest of the stuff you don't need like people that aren't good to you people that don't encourage you people that don't give you that gas queen energy (laughs) and I'm not even a person that likes saying yes queen you know I'm not that kind of gay but I play with it sometimes and I don't mind playing with that side 
you know, but really, you know what I'm getting at when I say that. But if you don't, if people are around you, and especially if you're a certain age, if you're young and you're just trying to figure stuff out and figure out where your boundaries are, definitely do that. I'm not trying to tell anybody that's young how to be them. You know, you develop into the person you're going to develop into the way that you need to, and you learn the lessons and take your knocks however you see fit. So I'm not trying to tell you that. But when I talk to older people and I notice that they're, you know, feeling down about themselves or they don't like where their life is. A lot of times I'll dig in a little bit as far as just wanting to know, like, you know, well, what are the influences around you like? And I'll look at the way their friends treat them and I'll be like, yeah, well, your friends shit on you all the time as their form of entertainment. And then you wonder why you have a low self-esteem, because I can tell by looking at your face as they're saying these things, because I will be observant when I have to be. Um, I can tell by your face that you're not liking what it is they're saying to you, but you're still allowing them to say it. And even worse than that, you're coming back the next day for more of what you didn't like the day before. So what is it about you that you think deserves to be treated like this by these people that claim to be your friends? But if they were really your friends, they'd be more worried about building you up than tearing you down. So decide to have more control of your world and yeah every once in a while somebody's not going to like you for it there's plenty of people that don't like me and consider it a character flaw that i'm very particular about what i will and won't allow around me but that's only because they don't have good intentions and they think they should be allowed to spew whatever they want at me whether it's respectful or disrespectful whether i would even let one of my best friends talk to me like that suddenly i'm supposed to allow these strangers to treat me some way other than the way that I want to be treated. Not going to happen and stay unbothered.